Welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable, where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. I'm your host, Corey Graham. Join us here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where the independent new authors come first. Would you risk your life to follow your dreams? Well, the author I'm talking with next did just that, and she wrote a book all about it. The author is Melissa Jones, and the book is Their Bun, Our Oven, Memoirs of a Surrogate. Now, Melissa is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and we get to talk all about this book. Melissa, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm excited to be talking about your book, Their Bun, Our Oven. Uh, Melissa, can you tell me what we're in store for? So this story was actually not originally intended to be a novel at all. I had always dreamed of being a surrogate. It was definitely something that was put on my heart to do for as long as I can really remember. Mm-hmm. When we finally finished our family and embarked on that journey and I made my friends aware of it, they said, oh my gosh, you have to write a blog. And I was, oh no, no, I, I can't write a blog. No. And mm-hmm. Then we kind of hit our first hurdle, and on the plane ride home from the first kind of big bump in the road, I just immediately started writing, Mm. and it actually became really therapeutic. So then when the story finished, everyone said, oh my gosh, you've got to turn your blog into a book, and here we are. Did you have a specific readership and audience in mind when you were writing, Melissa? Not at all. It was really just kind of a way for friends and family to stay connected to what was going on. Everyone was really interested in just the general process of a surrogacy. It's very common to know about a surrogacy, but it's not as common to know someone personally who is going through a surrogacy. Mm. So it was really just meant for my friends and family at the beginning. For one, it's just a good story. It really was kind of a roller coaster ride and obviously ended on a very chaotic kind of traumatic note. Everything's fine in the long run, but I'm hoping to, you know, I don't want to discourage people from the idea of being a surrogate because what happened with me was kind of a 5% chance of a 5% chance of a 5% chance of things happening the way that they did. But I think it is important to know that there are risks to putting your body through something like this, but the connection and everything with the family is so magical. I do hope it does encourage those who have the heart for it to to keep going for it. Mm. Melissa, once you decided to sit down and begin working on this book, how long of a process was it for you until it was published? Oof. So it actually just popped up on my social media memories that four years ago yesterday, I sat down and went from taking the blog to a book. Hmm. The boy is now four and a half. So he was about six months old when I said, all right, let's do this. And kind of took the blog format and started changing some things to make it read more, a bit more like a novel, but still kind of keeping that almost diary type sense to it. And then filling in everything that I didn't fill in from beforehand, from starting at the point where I did start the blog and then COVID and, you know, everyone thought, oh, you'll have all this free time in COVID. And we we didn't. (laughs) So as mothers of small children. And so, yeah, it took me almost exactly four years between when I sat down to start moving blog to book until I had books on my dining room table. And I can only imagine that moment when you got that first physical one in, Melissa, you got to hold it in your hands and look at <laughs> it. Can you tell me about that? 
My daughter and I were coming home from our Taekwondo class and I pulled into the driveway and I just saw boxes on the front porch. And, you know, I just kind of, oh my gosh, the books are here. And she and I just, I mean, we barely parked the car and we both just jumped out and we ran into the front porch and grabbed the boxes and took them and just immediately opened them up. And it is just such a cool experience to walk through all of it. There's so much that goes into publishing that I had no idea (laughs) along the way. I learned so much just in this kind of year that I've actually formally been working towards this process, probably a year and a half. But it was a really cool moment, and especially to, to share it with my girls. You know, they've obviously been very involved in the process. So it was really, really cool. Well, I know a lot of people's lives are going to be touched by this book. It's titled Their Bun, Our Oven, Memoirs of a Surrogate. It's written by Melissa Jones, and it's published by Newman Springs Publishing. And you can find it everywhere. So get on over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or traditional brick-and-mortar stores, and you can find this book. Melissa, thank you so much again for joining me and telling me all about this book. I had a nice time with you tonight. Thank you, sir. Making Rounds with Jesus. A physician looks at the ministry and mission of Jesus. That's the new book, It Just Hit Stores, written by Kenneth C. Parsons, M.D. And Ken is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and we're going to talk all about this book. Ken, welcome. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, Corey. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, the pleasure's all mine. I'm excited to find out what you've written about in Making Rounds with Jesus. Can you tell me about this, Ken? Sure. I became fascinated with the whole phenomenon of Jesus and his ministry pretty early on in my Christian history, but it wasn't until about, oh, I'd say 12 or 13 years ago that I really started to focus on the way Jesus taught and the way he developed his disciples. And so I started reading the Gospels with a greater sense of awareness of what was going on in any particular episode or the scene, if you will. A good way to think about it is the scenes that you see in the Gospels. And what I saw was familiar to me because I had encountered this teaching method when I was in medical school. We called it see one, do one, teach one. And Jesus was teaching the disciples how to minister to people, how to teach people, how to interact with people. And the process of doing that seemed very familiar to me. So that's what I started focusing on. Ken, did you have a certain readership in mind when you were writing this? Were you speaking to certain people? Well, I think it's relevant to anybody who enjoys reading Scripture. Hmm. But it's particularly relevant to people in healthcare because we've had this training experience of making rounds with more skilled physicians, or it would also apply to nurses or dentists or other healthcare professionals. We, this is how we learn. We learn by watching and paying attention. Ken, when it comes to your writing background, what does that look like? Have you done anything like this before? I have not written anything along this line. I have written for medical literature in a few settings in the past. (laughs) It's very different, as you might imagine, (laughs) from this sort of writing. Did Making Rounds with Jesus take you a long time then to write and get published? Well, it shouldn't have. What I had to come to grips with was that I had two character flaws. Incidentally, character flaws, that's the way we say sin, when we don't mean to say sin. (laughs) I had two character flaws. One was I procrastinated, 
And the other was that I was a perfectionist. Mm. And so my writing took a lot longer than it should have. And it's embarrassing now to look back on the fact that it took me 12 years to write this book. Ken, a lot of people listening to us right now are authors just starting out in this all. Is there anything that you've picked up along the way that you could pass on as some advice? Well, (laughs) avoiding procrastination and perfectionism (laughs) would be at the top of my list. The whole process of writing is repetitive, and as a consequence, you don't have to worry about perfectionism because you've got plenty of opportunities to go back and make corrections and try to perfect the product. But the biggest thing I would say is to devote some time each day to the process so that you're actually collecting ideas. And ideas might come as sentences or they might come as discreeting ideas. But if you take the time to write them down, you can go back and track down those ideas. And it makes a big, big difference when you're ready to start seriously writing. Second thing that I would recommend is to minimize distractions. Give you a little bit of background. I work from home. I'm still involved in consulting work in medicine. Mm. And so I work from home. And when I'm at home, I'm on my email, my work email, and all that sort of thing. And then I was trying to write at the same time. I found out that I was much more productive if I would take the time to drive up into the mountains. I live in Colorado drive up into the mountains and stay for a week at a condo or something of that sort so that I minimize the distractions and maximize the effectiveness of my writing. Well, I love the message of this book. Never give up. Be an overcomer because life is going to throw a lot at you. It's titled Making Rounds with Jesus. A Physician Looks at the Ministry and Mission of Jesus. It's written by Kenneth C. Parsons, M.D., and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get it everywhere, so go on over to Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or take a walk down the street to your local bookshop and you'll find this book. Ken, it's been great having you on the show. Thanks so much again for joining me. Thank you, Corey. It's been a pleasure. There's an audio book here. It presents the necessary tools to identify and persevere through the modern struggles of life. It's titled Bumps and Bruises, A Surgeon's Reflections on Life. This is written by Stephen R. Herr, M.D., and I get to talk all about this. Stephen is right here with me now. Stephen, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining me. Thank you so much. Stephen, when people listen to this audiobook, Bumps and Bruises, what can they expect? Well, they could expect to learn some principles that hopefully will change their ways of thinking, the, their perspectives in life, evaluate their expectations, and have a change in their life that bring them the success and happiness that we all seek. The genre of the book is success and happiness. If you were to Google that, that's where bumps and bruises would come up. Were you speaking toward a specific group of people, or is this more general? I think it's more general. I think a lot of the principles have been derived from the thousands of patients that I've seen over the last 30 years as a practicing orthopedic surgeon. And I've learned a lot from them, both good and bad, and tried to present, as I mentioned, principles that can help us all to live a happier, more successful life. Mm. Stephen, was this something that took you a long time to produce? The writing, the publishing, the audiobook, everything. Did that take you a long time? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I've been working on it for probably about 20 years. Because I've been a busy trauma surgeon, orthopedic surgeon, it was just kind of little scraps of time that I've been doing things. 
I also have employed a lot of folks to research references. I, I think it's really important to document and give credit to a lot of the individuals from which I derived the principles. Like I said, it's been probably about 20 years I've been working on this. And then the publication process, they've been pursuing me for quite some time to get it done and it took about a year to finally decide to do it. And then probably another year to get it published, but it's finally done. And then I've been, as you mentioned, just got the audiobook finished just a couple months ago. What was that like hearing your book as opposed to reading it? Oh, it was awesome. Actually, it was fun to, I'm not familiar with the publication process. This is my first book. And so they had auditions and it was Jason Lasky. He's Armenian, but it was really fun to work with him. He just has a lot of enthusiasm. He really knows how to bring the book to life. If there's something that's supposed to be slightly funny, he'll put a little chuckle in it. And he's really great to listen to. It's just awesome. I'm very grateful I got some advice, not for me to dictate my own book. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a book that was a long time in the making. Do you think you'll be writing again, maybe publishing again in the future, Stephen? Yeah, you know, I'm 30 years into my career and I anticipate retiring one of these days and I do have some ideas for a, an upcoming book. And so I tend to pursue that. I think one of the principles that I talk about is that as your career is successful, you want to at some point move from being successful to be significant where, mm. you know, I'm not going to drive the accolades and the warm fuzzies from being a surgeon. And it would be great to just pass on some wisdom to the rising generation and also those that are seeking for changes in their life. And so, yeah, I'd like to continue that. I'd like to have some significance and meaning uh, even after I retire. Well, Stephen, would you have advice now for the aspiring authors who are listening, you know, those people who are in the same place that you were before you got your first one out? Yeah, you know, it's just make a commitment to do it. There's lots of doubts. There are a lot of doubts that'll creep in that, you know, especially as a first-time author that, you know, this isn't my career, this isn't what my talent is. But if you have a passion to share something, if you have, and every individual is so unique and people can learn from, we can learn from each other. I think the biggest thing is just to make a commitment to do it, maybe have a time frame. I never really had a time frame and that's why it took 20 years. But if somebody really is aspiring to be an author, I think it really takes a game plan. It takes a passion for it. And then also just overcoming kind of the negative thoughts in your head where you think, well, this will never happen or never work. And after having that materialized for me and come to fruition, then I realized, hey, you know, if I can, a uh, non-author can do it, then anybody can do it. So, now, Stephen, when you look back over the whole process, what did you find the most challenging part of it for you? Most challenging part, I think, was just being committed to a plan to complete the book. Well, there is so much wisdom in this book. I encourage my listeners to go check it out. It's titled Bumps and Bruises, A Surgeon's Reflections on Life. This is written by Stephen R. Herr, MD, and it was published by the Audiobook Network. So head over to Audible, head over to the Apple iTunes Store or Amazon, and you can pick this up. Stephen, again, thank you for joining me and telling me about your work. I had a great time talking with you. Thank you so much, Corey. I appreciate it. It's been great talking to you. This book is about what the author says is one of the darkest chapters in Colorado's history. The title of the book is Amachi, the story of Japanese internment in Colorado during World War II. This is written by Robert Harvey, and we get to talk all about this book because Robert is joining me here at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Robert, welcome. Thank you for being here tonight. Thank you, Corey. 
It's my pleasure. This sounds like a really interesting story, Robert. Can you tell me about Amachi? Yeah, you bet. It's a Japanese internment camp during World War II in Colorado, and it was designed by the government to house Japanese and Japanese for the sake of keeping them off the West Coast. Mm. It was all about protection, what, what the government claimed to be protection. But in reality, it was more than that. There were some elements there that had a aroma of perhaps trying to look financially at, at various people, trying to hurt various people of Asian descent on the West Coast primarily. Wow. Robert, what was the spark that was lit that made you sit down and start writing this? What inspired you? Well, this is actually a second edition. The first edition was written in 2004. And back then, I was interviewing some people for a project, and the people I was interviewing were the people who were there. As, as usually, they were, they were Japanese-Americans. They were the children of the Japanese, and they were interned as well. Even though they were born an American and they were American, they were still interned. And so I was interviewing them about their story, and it was just for a small project, really. But the more I got into it, the more I realized that even the children of these people, who by this point, they were in their 80s, and they were dying off, the children didn't even know, because the Japanese Americans who had gone through that process were so hushed about it that they really just didn't even want to talk about it. And so when I went into interview, they began to open up. And I remember my first interview, George Hirano, I walked out. And before I walked out, his wife thanked me for it. And the son of him called me a few days later and said, hey, can I have a copy of that? Because he doesn't really talk about it a lot. That's what sparked me to want to write more about it. And the more I wrote about it, the more interest there were and the more interviews I did. And something kind of steamrolled out. Were you writing for a specific audience, Robert? Were you speaking to a specific readership, do you think? Yeah, definitely. I was writing for any readers who love historic work that's, that's in the West, so Colorado, Utah. But more importantly, I was writing for the Japanese and the Japanese Americans themselves, because like I said, a lot of people just didn't want to talk about it, or there were so many facts that they didn't know the backstory of it. Like, why were they put there in the first place? Why did the government do this? And so I tried to do all the research, not only from the interviews that I did, but also I dug into past research that had been done. And I think I nailed it as far as the reasons why internment happened to begin with. I believe that my audience was for anyone, but especially when I was writing, I was focused on those Japanese Americans. Hmm. What does your writing background look like, Robert? Would you call yourself a seasoned author? Oh, no, no, definitely not. Definitely not. I'm a, I'm a teacher by trade. I love history. I've enjoyed history. And I was actually working on this project just for fun. I do write a lot, but I write just for myself. I don't write for publication purposes. But this particular one was of interest to a publisher, a local publisher in Boulder, who contacted me about it. I didn't even seek it out, actually. He just contacted me and It did very well. The first edition sold out 2,000 copies within nine months. And then I let it sit on the shelf for years, decades, really. And then the interest for even the used books just kept going and going and going. I was getting calls from professors, getting calls from people wanting the book, and I just didn't have it in me to do a second edition until this last year. Well, what an important book this is. I encourage everybody out there to seek this out for sure. It's called Amachi. The Story of Japanese Internment in Colorado During World War II. 
It's written by Robert Harvey. It's published by Haas and Jenkins Publishing. And you can get it everywhere, of course, Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or even traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Robert, thank you again for joining me and telling me all about this story and about your work. I had a nice time talking tonight. Thank you, Corey. I really appreciate it. This is a riveting and page-turning story of survival and of experience. It's titled The Family Flame, and it's written by Deanna Harper. And I'm really happy Deanna is sitting right here with me now, and we get to chat all about this book. Deanna, welcome to the Reader House Author Roundtable. I really appreciate you being here with me. Thank you for having me. I'm grateful to be here. Well, I'm grateful that you're here, and I'm grateful to be learning all about The Family Flame. So, Deanna, can you tell me what readers will expect here? Well, the book is about me and the journey that I went through with a schizoaffective disorder hmm. and simultaneously combating the foster care system in which my daughter was in and trying to just get her back. And there was a new addition to the family, and that's in there. Hmm. And it recalls a lot of my military experience and childhood experience after losing my mother. It's a variety of things, really. Like there's an anaphora in there and different poetry and some research I've done in regard to my schizoaffective disorder. Deanna, what inspired you to write this? What made you say, hey, I got to sit down and get started on this book? The burdens I was carrying, mm. they became too heavy and I couldn't live with them anymore. And what I needed to say, I would hope could guide other people that would be in a similar situation because oftentimes we're overlooked and a lot of people fall through the cracks. And it's really interesting how the system works for you, for some, and against you, for others. Mm. Deanna, considering how personal this story is and considering all the research that you put into it, did this take you a long time to complete and have published? Well, I started six semesters ago because I go to Bloomsburg University and I'm studying social work and minoring in Arabic. And mm. through creative writing and my writing classes, I was able to sit down and compose something that would get the heaviness off my shoulders to heal from, you know. Deanna, is this the first book that you've had published or have you done this kind of thing before? I have. This is the first published book, yes. Congratulations. What was it like when you got that first physical copy and you got to actually hold this thing that you were working on for so long? <laughs> it was indescribable. Like to see your thoughts come alive really inspires me to want to continue more. Like I have a lot to offer through experience and that's all I strive for is to help other people. Now it can be quite the learning experience when you write and publish a book, Deanna. So Based on everything you went through along the way, do you have any advice, anything you learned you can pass on to the aspiring authors who are listening to us? Be very descriptive in your writing and write from your soul where it's painful the most. Write that. Write the heartache. What are the chances, Deanna, that we'll see more writing from you in the future? Like a 75% chance. It depends on what life throws at me. And while you were working on The Family Flame, and you're writing it, and jumping through all those publishing hoops, Deanna, what did you find to be the most challenging part of things for you? Nothing. You know what? Christian Faith Publishing really, you know, had this whole idea mapped out, hmm. and they were great. They handled everything. It was really interesting. It was my first experience. I had a great experience. 
How hard was it figuring out what you wanted the cover to look like? Did you have a solid idea for that going into it, or was that a challenging thing? I did. I wanted just a flame, like a candle flame, on the cover because it signifies the matches that light the candle. And I was the match that stepped away from the flame. So the flame represents my past, my childhood, everything that I carried with me into my adulthood and into motherhood. It was really something difficult to deal with because the unhealed trauma that I had bled onto my children. And unfortunately, that often happens with unhealed trauma. I think a lot of readers are really going to be into this book. The title is The Family Flame. It's written by Deanna Harper, and it's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, traditional brick-and-mortar stores, anywhere that you buy your books. Deanna, I really appreciate you coming on the show and telling me about your story and about this book. Thanks again for coming on. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. God bless you and take care. I'm holding a really special book in my hands. It's titled Wesley and the Adventures of Suds Boy. This is written by Gregory Dixon, and we get to talk all about this book. Gregory is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable. Gregory, welcome. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. Gregory, can you tell us all what we can expect when we open up Wesley and the Adventures of Suds Boy? Probably not your average book. This book is about special needs children. I have a special needs child, Wesley. This what inspired this book. And it's got a lot of adventure. It's got a lot of action. And it's basically a superhero book. And what sorts of readers do you think would be really into this story? Young adults. In fact, I've had actual adults, grown-up people that actually thought the book was really nice. Mm. It's got a lot of action in it, so it should appeal to almost everybody that likes superhero books. Gregory, what lit the spark? What inspired you to say, hey, i got to sit down and get started writing this book? (laughs) Good question. I was sitting there one day, I'm thinking to myself, First of all, I love my child more than anything. I was thinking, now, how can I get his name out there? It was inspired by God. Mm. He kind of got me going on it, and I'm glad he did. How long of a process was this for you, once you sat down and clear up until it finally got published? Well, the hard part is designing everything. And, the, and another thing about the book is the fact that it's a rhyme book. And it's hard to, <laughs> it's hard to do rhyming when you're trying to keep up with the plot of the storyline. <laughs> so that, that, that was the most difficult thing. But I had an advantage. Throughout my life, I've been in bands. I've written lots and lots of songs. Mm. So I was good at rhyming. And then you had the element of the illustrations. Uh, what kind of a process was that like? That was hard. I've done comic books for the kids in the classroom, which used to get me in trouble because a lot of that was about the teachers. But anyway, <laughs> I just like to draw, and I have a handicap when it comes to drawing. I, I was diagnosed with essential tremors, so I had to really lean into this. And what does your writing background look like? Have you ever published anything before this? I've done short, short, short stories. One got published in a book. This is my first endeavor in the children's books, actually, and uh, it's my first publication. And when that first physical one came in, Gregory, and you got to hold it in your hands and look at this thing for the first time, what kind of moment was that like for you? Oh, it it was shocking, unbelievable, and loving it at the same time. Hmm. I'm sure you learned a lot along the way of doing this. Uh, Do you have anything that you learned, anything you picked up that you can pass on to the aspiring authors out there? 
Yeah, uh, just be prepared to wait. It's it's a long mm-hmm. it's it's a long waiting process. The whole process itself to get this from conception, you know, out the door took over eight months. There's a lot of going back and forth with the editors and this and that. But one thing about Christian Faith Publishing is the fact that I had an excellent, excellent director on this. Her name is Laura Jones. And she took the time to explain situations to me. And if I didn't like something, I just sent it back and they had to redo it. Gregory, do you think we'll be seeing any further adventures of Wesley in the future? Do you think you'll be writing more? Oh, yeah. I'll keep writing the adventures of Suds Boy as long as I have an audience out there that appreciates and likes it. What I'm going to do is, Wesley is going to, through imagination, of course, he's going to develop more superpowers. There's not too much more I could do with Suds. (laughs) (laughs) But my next concept for him will be, Wesley, too, will be, our son's been in and out of the hospital most of his life. In fact, for a while, he thought he was a renegade because we'd take him out of the hospital and then take him right back. But it's going to take place. He's in the hospital, and there's something evil in there terrorizing the kids. And all along the way of writing and, and publishing this, Gregory, what would you say was the most challenging part of it? Learning. The learning curve on the whole situation. <laughs> I made a lot of mistakes on the way, but I got corrected on it, and I've learned from it. So, Well, what a wonderful, important book this is. I encourage everybody who is listening right now, go seek this one out. It's titled, Wesley and the Adventures of Suds Boy. It's written by Gregory Dixon. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can find it anywhere, so get onto Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or take a walk down the street to your local bookshop and you can pick this up. Gregory, it's been so nice having you on the show here tonight and learning all about Suds Boy. I had a really nice time. I did too, sir. Thank you so very much. So many of us love the 23rd Psalm, and I've got a book right here that takes readers deeper into this scripture. It's titled, Straw for Stray Sheep, A Preacher's Perspective of the People's Psalm. Now, this one's written by Quasi Torde Torvike, and Quasi is right here with me now, and we're going to talk all about this book. Quasi, welcome to the show. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much, Corey. Quasi, can you tell me all about what we can expect when we read Straw for Stray Sheep? Sure. My pleasure. Uh, Strong for Straight Sheep is about the 23rd Psalm, as you mentioned earlier. It's actually an exegesis of the Psalm that offers the reader an opportunity to interact and reflect on the scriptures at the end of each chapter. Quasi, what was the spark? What inspired you to sit down and get started on this book? Curry, that's a very, very interesting question. <laughs> I had the opportunity to speak at a church member's mother's life celebration. The mother died in Africa, and she wanted to have a celebration of friends and family members of the mother's life. And so she handpicked the 23rd Psalm for me to come and speak to them about that passage, and all because that was the mother's favorite passage in Scripture. So, Corey, I prepared, I did all my research and went to this event, and it turned out that it was more of a social gathering than, quote-unquote, a church function. Hmm. And so my presentation was not the best received, 
the best way I can get people to really look at, especially my notes, and what the psalm has to offer is to put it in a book. So that was the genesis of it all. Hmm. And how long of a process was it for you? Once you started, you wrote it, and then got it published, had to go through all those hoops. Really, I started dreaming about this in 2010, in October 2010. But I wouldn't say I spent a whole lot of time on it every day, so to speak. I would write about a page or half a page, a paragraph, whatever. And then the next time I look at it, maybe a month or two months down the line. So it took about 13 years, if you will, to put it all together. But I was not full-time writer, if you will. Is this the first time you've been published, Quasi, or have you done things like this before? No, this is my first published book. I've written lesson plans for churches in the mission field, Africa, where I serve. They put in booklet form, but this is really my first published work. Hmm. So when that first copy finally came in the mail and you got to actually hold your book for that first time, Quasi, what was that like for you? Wow, Curry. <laughs> I mean, it, it, I, I felt so delighted. I mean, this was like I have finally accomplished what I set out to do. And that excitement of having my first published book was just uh, amazing, indescribable. I was also excited that I, I have something out there that the Lord could use in reaching a lot of souls across the world. I mean, that is really amazing. Quasi, do you have any advice, anything that you picked up along the way that maybe you could offer to the first-time authors out there? From my own experience, I would say to any first-time publisher, don't give up on your dream of publishing a book. You know, a lot of things may come your way that may be a distraction, but do not give up. No matter how long it takes, do not give up. Mm. It will come to an end one day, one day. Great advice. Well, I do think a lot of readers are going to be drawn closer to the Lord when they read this book. It's titled Straw for Stray Sheep, A Preacher's Perspective of the People's Psalm. This is written by Quasi Torde Torvike and is published by Christian Faith Publishing. You can get it everywhere. Amazon, Barnes & Noble, iTunes, and also traditional brick-and-mortar stores. Quasi, thank you again for joining me and telling me all about your work. I had a great time. Thank you so much, Corey. It's been a pleasure talking to you. The book I'm looking at now is a look into the poetic mind of the author. It's titled Jesus and Me, and the author, Troy Ganya, is here with me now to talk all about it. Troy, welcome. Thank you so much for your time tonight. Thank you. Thank you for having me. The pleasure's all mine. Troy, can you tell me what you've written in Jesus and Me? Jesus and Me is a uh, book of poems that I've put together over the years. Kind of touches a little bit on everything, just things that happen in life, my faith. It's got some humorous poems in there. It's a little bit of everything. Troy, when you started writing these poems, did you plan to have them collected all and have them published, or was this something that came about later? It came out a little bit later. I uh, had a notebook full of poems and stuff, and I started having kids, and I had all these notepads together, and I thought it'd be neat to have something to be able to pass on to my kids. That's kind of where it started. 
And then I ended up going to a few funerals and things like that. And there was some stuff that I wrote and I got a lot of good feedback from people on that and said that it really helped them. So then I thought that it could be a good inspiration to help other people on different topics. Would you say this is pretty much for a Christian audience you were writing for? It is, but it's a little bit of everything. I, I kind of look at it this way as, you know, I kind of believe everybody has a redemption story and somebody's testimony could be somebody else's redemption story. And some of these are kind of my testimony or other people's testimonies that they've shared with me that I kind of put into a poem form. And you said you wrote all these poems over a period of time, but once you got the idea to publish this as a book, once you sat down and started working on it, did it take you a long time to put together and then put through all those publishing hoops? It really didn't take a whole lot of time. I mean, the thing that took the longest was actually trying to find somebody that would actually publish it and that would be fair with it. Once I got hooked up with Christian Faith Publishing, they were really good and everything moved along fairly quickly. I started in September and the book was released in February, so it moved along quickly. Hmm. And is this your first time then venturing into the publishing arena? This is, yes. Congratulations. When you've got that first copy in, and you got to hold your book for the first time, Troy, I can only imagine what was going through your head. What was that like? It was a pretty amazing feeling. The books came in the mail, and I opened them up, and I was holding them in my hand, and I got to share that with my wife, and she was standing there holding it, and it was a pretty exciting moment. It's pretty surreal. Do you think you'll be releasing more books in the future? I would like to. I had a lot of fun doing this. I learned a lot. I already have stuff in the works for another one if the cards fall where they need to be and it's the good Lord's willing. Troy, what was the most challenging part of things for you, either during the writing, putting the book together, or during the actual publishing process? What was the hardest part? I would say it would probably be the the writing for me is not all that difficult. Sometimes I have to work more with them. But a lot of times when I get an idea, it comes pretty fast. And some of the ones that I personally enjoy the most come the fastest. But I would say the most challenging part would be the editing, going back and forth. And then, you know, you, you get your constructive criticism back and you take that as constructive criticism and don't take things personally. But it was an interesting adventure and it was fun going through it. Mm-hmm. Is there anything that you learned along the way that maybe you could pass on as some words of advice to the aspiring authors who are listening to us? I would just say dream big and don't give up on your dreams. Keep pursuing. This didn't happen on my first go around. I checked with several publishing companies and stuff, and I got discouraged at times, but I kept pressing on. And it doesn't always happen on the first time. Mm. And I would just say just keep pursuing your dreams. It doesn't matter how old you are. I just turned 50 this year, so and this is my first book. So don't give up and keep pushing forward. That's great advice. So this is your first book. Troy, what's the most rewarding aspect for you now that you're a published author? The most rewarding so far, I think, is just to hear some of the feedback that I'm getting from it. And people will send me pictures. And one of them that was really cool to me was somebody had purchased a couple books and they were going to a women's Bible study. And they were sitting there and the pictures that I got back were the women going through and reading. Oh, wow. It was very inspiring that it's something that I've put together is helping and challenging and and inspiring people. I think so many people are going to find inspiration in this poetry. The book is titled Jesus and Me. It's written by Troy Ganya. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. And you can get it everywhere. So Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or traditional brick-and-mortar stores, you can go to any of these places and find Jesus and Me. 
Troy, thanks again for coming on the show and telling me about your work. I had a nice time talking with you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I enjoyed it. Sitting down beside me here at the Reader House Author Roundtable is author Charles Richmond. Charles, welcome. Thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you. Glad to be here. I appreciate your time. You have a new book out in stores right now. It's called My Dad Has Parkinson's. Charles, can you tell me about this? Yes. It was actually written by accident because I was diagnosed with Parkinson's about two, three years ago. And I was just writing down some of the things that had happened to me. And I wanted to let children know what Parkinson's was. So I just kind of wrote two pages down and I saw a little clip for covenantbooks.com. So I sent it to them and they offered to print it. Hmm. They said this is written for children. Did you have a certain age of children that would get the most out of it? Well, probably the way it's written is probably between maybe 8 and 12, 12, 13. And Charles, once you sat down to start writing this, how long of a process was it for you before it got published, got out there for people? Well, I wrote it in one night, and Hmm. once Covenant said that they would print it, it took about eight months for them to do the editing and the pictures and illustrations. When it comes to writing and publishing, have you ever done anything like it before? Never. This was a first for me. Wow, that's such a huge deal, Charles. What was it like when you got that one in the mail, your first copy, and you got to hold it, and your name's on the cover and everything? It had to be quite a moment for you. Yes, I was thrilled. I made sure that I sent copies to my family. I was really thrilled. What are the chances that you might be doing this again in the future, writing more, publishing more? Right now, I don't know, because with Parkinson's, my mind doesn't work the way it should sometimes. Mm. So when somebody asks me certain things at certain dates, it's hard to write them down. But I'd like to do it again. Mm. And I'm sure you learned an awful lot publishing your first book, Charles. Do you have any advice that you could offer to people who are about to take this same journey? The main thing, I think, is they need to be patient. Be patient with themselves and be patient with the publishing company because it does take a great deal of time to do each step. Now, when it came to those steps in publishing, Charles, what did you find to be the most challenging one along your way? I think the waiting. That was really hard for me because I didn't think it would ever come out. And you mentioned the illustrations. It's such an important part of a children's book. Was that a smooth process for you? With Covenant, it really was. They would do the previews, and they would send them to me. And if I liked them, I just let them know, and they would clear them up and send them out. They did a really great job with mine. It's hard to do something like this completely all by yourself, Charles. Did you have people around you in your life that knew you were doing this and they could kind of be there to back you up? No. Nobody knew I did it. As a matter of fact, once I found out that it was published, I didn't let anybody know that I'd written a book until it was time for it to come out because I wanted everybody to be surprised. And now that you look back over the whole thing, Charles, what's the most rewarding aspect for you of being a published author? Just knowing that the word is getting out there, the ones that buy the book or see the book, and the word about Parkinson's is getting out to people, young or old, because it is such a debilitating disease as the stages go through. And I've seen a little bit of Michael J. Fox, and Mm. I can see what I've got to look forward to. (laughs) I'm still fairly in the early stages, but I, I still have my moments. A lot of times when you're driven to write, you also enjoy reading. Charles, what kind of a reader would you say you are? I'm an avid reader. This is kind of embarrassing, but a lot of my reading is done in the bathroom. (laughs) (laughs) 
I think that's a lot of us. <laughs> but I really enjoy reading. I've got several bookcases, and I'm going through them all. I want to try to finish them all before I can't read anymore. Now, Charles, we're talking about your next book. If you were to write and publish another book, is there anything specifically you think you would do differently? I think I would try to get more detail down. Most of what I wrote for this book here is just basic stuff and things. But I think if I do write another book, I'd like it to be more detailed, more stuff coming straight from doctors and things like that. Well, this is such an important book. I think a lot of people ought to check this out. They're going to find a lot of help and hope in these pages. This book is titled, My Dad Has Parkinson's. This is written by Charles Richmond. It's published by Covenant Books. And of course, you can grab it everywhere. So get on Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or take a walk down the street to your local bookshop and you can get this book there. Charles, thank you again for joining me and telling me about your work. I had a nice time talking with you tonight. Oh, thank you for having me on. I really appreciate it. This book is a message of hope for renewed faith and celebration of God. It's titled, Why Have We Forsaken Him? The author is Sam, and Sam is right here with me now at the Reader House Author Roundtable, and we get to talk all about this book. Sam, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining me. Well, thank you for asking. It's my pleasure. Sam, what can readers expect when they crack open Why Have We Forsaken Him? It's a book of faith, but it's also an awareness of where our relationship with our fathers has gone due to all the happenings in our country. Were you speaking toward a certain group of readers? No, I was speaking towards everyone. So how did the idea for this book come about, Sam? What was that spark that lit your inspiration? The spark was while I was driving for my job. I do a lot of driving and noticing what you know God has created for us. We look, but we don't see, if that makes any sense. Mm. And what I mean by that is to actually see the colors, the shapes, the textures, and things like that. And when it comes to writing and publishing, what does your background look like, Sam? Have you ever done anything like this before? No, sir. I'm a retired police officer. I'm an Army veteran. Mm. No, I'm more of an athletic individual. You know, I'm into sports a lot. So this is out of my realm, so to speak. Did the book take you a long time to write and then get published? The book took me two months. And publishing, it was just a matter of going what the publisher has to do to get it, you know, all the steps they have to take to get it published. Was that publishing process a challenging one for you or did it go pretty smooth? It's kind of hard to say because all of this is very new to me, so I didn't know what to expect. And so there was a lot of emails between myself and the publishers because I didn't understand the process, and I still don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's why it's important that you partner with somebody that has gone this route before and sort of knows the ropes and it can help you along. Yes, sir. Then, Sam, that day comes. You open the mailbox and you get your first copy of that book in. And you get to actually hold this thing. It's a physical thing that you've been working on for the longest time. What was that day like for you? That was very humbling. It was never, never thought in my wildest dreams that I would be doing this. It was also very emotional for me because of my relationship with my dad. He was an associate pastor at the church when I was growing up. And He'd always told me that God had something for me to do, and he didn't know what it was, so he would reveal it to me, and he has. Sam, a lot of our listeners right now are authors who are just starting out, so do you have any advice, anything that you've learned along the way that you could offer them? Never stop trying. Never stop trying. you got to follow your dream. 
What are the chances you might be writing more, publishing more books in the future? I have volume two of this book. It's in final review for dissemination with the publisher. And I've written five additional books. Oh, wow. Sam, do you ever have trouble coming up with words, like you get writer's block, or maybe you just don't have the ideas? And then how do you get the inspiration going again? I've always woke woke up at 4 o'clock in the morning. I don't need an alarm. I just wake up. Oh, wow. And then I I discovered, because it's like three, three and a half hours where I have to get to work. So I, you know, make a cup of coffee and I sit at my computer and I play a card game to wake up my brain, if that makes any sense. And once I've awakened my brain, it's just the feeling that comes over me and says, well, let's go. And so I'll open up Word and I'll just sit there and then the thought just comes and I can't explain it. It's awe-inspiring to me just to, because I don't write like this. I'm a sports guy. I don't write like this. <laughs> now, Sam, it's hard to do this kind of thing alone. So did you have people in your life who knew that you were writing this book and knew that you were working hard to put it out there? And they could just kind of be there to motivate you and maybe encourage you along the way. My two sons, Joshua and Isaac, they've always been an inspiration to me. And what's really cool about all of this is that they always thank me for how they were brought up. That's very humbling for a dad. Well, I know a lot of people are going to find hope in the pages of this book. It's titled, Why Have We Forsaken Him? It's written by Sam. It's published by Christian Faith Publishing. And you can find it everywhere. So Amazon or Barnes & Noble or iTunes or traditional brick-and-mortar stores, they'll all have this book there. Sam, thanks again for coming on the show, telling me about your work. I had a nice time chatting with you. Well, thank you, sir. We hope you enjoyed this edition of the Reader House Author Roundtable where authors from all walks of life come together to discuss the trials, tribulations, and triumphs of publishing their books. We hope to see you back here every Friday night at 8 p.m. or listen anytime via podcast at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and PodServe, to name just a few. The Author Roundtable is sponsored by Reader House Online Bookstore, where independent new authors come first. 